0: It happens a lot, but in baby gear, in the kid industry, anything like a child sits in, eats and sleeps in, has um, concerns that you don't want to sell a recalled version, you don't want to sell a damaged version, you don't want to put something back into circulation by mistake that shouldn't go back into circulation. So the, the default for most manufacturers and retailers before we came along was to destroy returns. The change we want to make in the world is that parents are not thinking about buying all this stuff new that we we have a marketplace where we have the best gear that is quality checked and made for resale that we can sell over and over again and that those, those parents are not hoarding this for their grandchildren that it's going to be all recalled
1: this is the ProCo 360 Podcast for people who love Colorado and love hearing from Colorado's most inventive and successful entrepreneurs. I'm Dave Tabor, and in this episode, I'm with Kristen Langenfeld, founder and CEO of Goodbye Gear, a platform created to curate and sell secondhand kids' gear. Think strollers, car seats, that kind of thing. I'm intrigued by this business, which I think of as way more efficient than like Facebook Marketplace, more predictable than eBay, and more cost-effective than buying new. Goodbye Gear started in Denver and has expanded physical locations to Philly and Washington, D.C. while selling online everywhere. There's a lot I want to talk about in this episode, and I really want to focus on the development of the company from startup to one with thousands of products and inventory. Goodbye Gear raised $14 million last summer to help it scale, so we'll talk about that. And a shout out to ProCo 360 partner, Denver Angels. It's all about investing in the next generation of great Colorado companies, and I met Kristen through David Pritchard at a recent Denver Angels presentation. So I guess this is all working out. Kristen, Mm -hmm. glad you're here. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're Mm -hmm. welcome. And I I gave a quick overview of Goodbye Gear, but I bet you can do a bit of one.
0: That was great. Um yeah, so we're a managed marketplace, so we make it really efficient for parents to find what they're looking for um and not pay full price. And we quality check everything. It's it is baby gear, so strollers, car seats, high chairs bassinets toys um and that sort of thing and you can shop online and we we deliver it nationwide and we also provide a service for families to be able to sell back the items when they're done with them and uh and that's sort of
1: what we do great so part of the circle is supplying the circle of life starting with kids Mm -hmm. excellent so um the name obviously i gotta start with that goodbye gear cute name was that like did that just drop into your head as soon as you decide to do this or is that like a long no. drawn out? yeah talk about that
0: no the first name was called kid gear <laughs>
1: kid gear all right
0: <laughs> which was awful um so we went through an exercise of trying to figure out a, a name and it was actually my sister-in-law's idea um i think it's brilliant because it's you know goodbye yeah. to your gear like i'm gonna say and bye to it but it's also a goodbye so it's a um but not all everyone gets it so oh no <laughs> Was it hard to
1: get the URL and
0: stuff? No, we actually own good B-U-Y, and we also own B-Y-E and B-Y. Of so course, we own you don't want people to come, come try to take it away.
1: Excellent. So how did the business get started? That's sort of the proverbial origin story.
0: Yeah. Well, I've mentioned my sister in It was funny because um, it was actually her idea many years ago because I was um, – Working in technology. So, I've spent my, my career, I was an electrical engineer and was a product manager working at some technology startups um, around the world. And I was in New York and she had her first child. And um, she was like, My God, we have so much stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like this tiny human and we have so much stuff. And we just need to get rid of all of the baby gear and get the toddler gear. And where do I, like, I'm not going to go on Facebook and do all this crap. Um, yeah. And so, I was like, I don't get it. I, you know, I have a few items to my name in my apartment in New York. And um, it was a few years later when my husband and I had our first child and I experienced it firsthand. And I was like, there, someone must have solved this by now. And the answer I got from like the moms groups and stuff was um, just go on Facebook or join this moms group and go back and forth with random strangers and show up at their house. And so I actually did that um, here in Denver at the Highlands Mommies, which is uh-huh. a fantastic group. But I had a particularly bad experience, and it was not only a waste of time, but it was a little bit scary. And I was um, with my three-month-old daughter at someone's house, and they had these big dogs, and it smelled like weed. And kind of creepy. Kind of creepy. creepy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you have the cash in your hand. Anyways, so I was like, "This is so archaic. What are we doing?" And I sent a survey out to the whole moms group, and I said, "Am I, you know, alone in this?" But I um, got feedback from. Uh, about eighty families saying they would—they're in the same boat—and they would uh, participate in a beta group if I was going to do something huh. about it. So that was seven, um, just over seven years ago, and decided to to start building something wow. to solve so, that.
1: So that's interesting. You start—I I had guessed before mm-hmm. we got together yeah. that you had started by you know selling an item and then a couple. of... I mean, there's a—I uh, had a great guest a while back because mm-hmm. I think most companies in this. In this would start kind of the way this guy Nick Martin he it was a past guest on Proco three hundred oh, and sixty yeah. and yeah from the pro's closet yes, and he started amazing. by just selling like these these used pro mm-hmm. products for his himself. bike and then it turned into something but he started mm-hmm. by selling something you you didn't I did you, the
0: opposite I was like you, this sucks to try to sell you or buy yeah. your bike thing and sell.
1: so you <laughs> so. actually decided to try creating a business without actually doing it first. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and i part of what was, I should take a step back too, is both my husband and I are um, minimalists and really care about sustainability and the environment and really try to be conscious consumers. And so you know, overbuying and having these things, just, it felt, it feels icky and yeah, wrong. Yeah, but if you, you love so your stuff, kids. You want to buy them everything exactly. that they need. You, yeah, know, yeah. you want to spoil them. <laughs> Absolutely. But you, but then you have all this stuff and you just feel disgusting about it. And so I think that was part of it too. I wanted to make it, you know, a positive impact in, um, in the world. And I, you know, I was working for a startup and, uh, and it was, it's a mobile identity authentication company. I have a patent in, in that. And hey, cool. Um, and I just, you know, woke up after having my daughter and was like, I I love my job and I want to work, but I want to do something more meaningful with my life. And if I'm going to work, I want to make a, a positive impact in the world. And so, yes, making login safer for people who log into their mobile phones is yeah. is great, but it wasn't fulfilling. And so I think so, that was part of it, too, is wanting to make a change.
1: Yeah, so what... <clears throat> I mean, when you think about something fulfilling to improve the world, Mm -hmm. selling used toys or used products, used car seats and stuff. I mean, connect the dots. How is that fulfilling for you?
0: Um, Well, when you start, you know, seeing how much stuff there is and what happens to it. I mean, car seats alone, there's 12 million car seats that are put in landfills every single year. Wow. And they don't disintegrate. <laughs> who, would have, who would have thought?
1: 12 million, seriously, in this country or worldwide or what?
0: That's in the U.S.
1: 12 million go to landfills.
0: Yeah, it's, wow. it's insane. So, you know, it's things like that. And we just, we there's so much out there that, kids you know your kids go to someone else's house and they like love playing with that and it's novel and then um or that's like remember the big jumperoos yeah you know like that thing was so clutch i remember we need like i couldn't take a shower without having that thing but what do you do with it after and you don't need more and more new jumperoos being made because if we just had an efficient way to share that particular item and and have every household be able to use it, we would not need as many new ones. And I think, you know, um, like used cars and new cars I make the analogy there where there's um, there's more used car sales than there are new car sales, but that's not the same in in durable goods. Things, yeah. And, you know, and baby gear happens to be one with very short life and very expensive items. And so it's perfect for this type of solution. And, and hopefully we can do this in more and more and more categories. Yeah.
1: So that. go back. We will get to that. But yeah. go go back then to the beta. So talk about
0: mm-hmm.
1: how did the beta go? How long did it take? What did what what happened?
0: So it was a uh, call it concierge MVP, like a minimum viable product. So it was basically an email list. And it was families who said, this is the stage of my child and this is the stuff i have and they just put it on their front porch and we went around and picked up the stuff that they were not using we brought it home to my house and we cleaned it and then we redistributed it to the you know the right child and um or to the right you know, child for that age group. Yeah. And what we learned through that first iteration of it is that parents really wanted choice. I mean, we didn't know their kids. You know, I remember yeah, there yeah, was yeah. one child, we gave him a puzzle and they were like, oh, he's four, but he's really doing it ninth grade or whatever, or, sorry, nine-year-old. Of nine course, year it, old. isn't every so,
1: four-year-old doing nine-year-olds? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so but, it was like, why don't we let them pick? And so then it was like, well, this maybe it's more of a marketplace. Okay, well, let's see if we can put all the stuff that we got from everyone's front step Online, and then they could pick it, and then that's sort of how it uh, it evolved into a marketplace. And we just have been—I think the product background for for me was really helpful. Just really focused on listening to your customers and what they're not explicitly yeah. telling you, but what they're doing through actions of what they want. And um, did,
1: did you charge any money throughout this whole beta experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did.
0: Yeah, we still take. It's a very similar model to how we started, where we take a percentage of of the item.
1: Yeah, no, I meant when yeah. you were putting things on people's porches, when you were mm-hmm. just figuring out if this even, how does this even going to work, were you charging money at that point? or were yeah. we just do it? Yeah. you were? And
0: it was hilarious. We still have the, uh, and we never cashed it, but our first check was for 25, we charged $25 for the service, and we had our first check check from this woman and it was we. we never wow. it. <laughs> so was it funny so it
1: was for a service at that point it wasn't for the actual product
0: that was the very first one and then we went to the marketplace and Got then we it. took a cut right. the. Yeah. so
1: mm-hmm. when you went to the marketplace yeah. i mean how long ago was that
0: that was seven years ago seven years mm-hmm.
1: so i mean the technology had evolved pretty well so mm-hmm. you could easily have an online marketplace built and up and all that but mm-hmm. did you just pay to have it created did you make your own how'd you do no that?
0: we use shopify I, when i did... discovered shopify I, was, I should have invested.
1: <laughs> ah, yeah, that would have been a good idea. <laughs> that would have been good because I was like, yeah.
0: this thing is amazing. Because I, uh, you know, had built an e-commerce site in the past, and I was like, wow, like this is incredible. We can be up and running and take credit cards today. We don't have to yeah. be PCI compliant all stuff. So, um, so we used Shopify and we built. A sort of um, well, this getting into a lot of details, but we built a little app for customers when it became a marketplace that they could send us, just send us a picture of what you have and we'll do the rest. Mm-hmm. And so we, we built some technology that would take that photo and put it into a product and upload it into, into Shopify. Nice, nice. And so the first version of Goodbye Gear was actually a peer-to-peer marketplace. And we facilitated the logistics. So we did what we thought was the hard part, yeah. which is taking the photos or sorry um, – Taking the the items and getting them on the marketplace and dealing with the back and forth with So It was buyers more like an
1: eBay when you started.
0: hmm Yeah. And then um, we we went through an accelerator program in Boulder and that uh, was a really fun experience. And we, you know, really pushed on what were the levers to, to growth. And it was we were just always didn't have enough inventory. We would sell whatever mm-hmm. we really put. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the the items are in high demand, parents need these, and so we were finding we just needed more and more inventory, and
1: so talk about scale in the first mm-hmm. year or two. Like, were you talking you, people needed more and more? Did you have fifty items, a thousand items? You know, how I don't did remember. you? Yeah. Just, I mean, think about sort of like was it almost like tranches of growth or was it really steady?
0: So, there's definitely been tranches of growth at the beginning. It was you know steady, but not rocket like yeah, it was. Yeah. It, but we were supply constrained, and one so one of the unlocks that we discovered um was that as we would go and do the logistics of like picking up something that someone sold and delivering it to somebody else um that we would talk to the people and the one woman was like oh my god this is amazing i have like <laughs> a whole basement full of stuff i'm going to get to it and um my co-founder was like i'll just take it for you and the lady was like hold on and like filled her whole suv and then she told like parents in her neighborhood and we did 20 of these we called them white glove services and filled our basements garages in laws like we did and we processed it all and wow. put it up online and we said we have to charge you more and they're like okay
1: wow <laughs>
0: just went and, and uh and that was the beginning of the managed marketplace instead mm-hmm. and, st- and right. so we did the peer to peer and managed for a little while and as you know many companies find like you can't do two things well so yeah. we um we ended up going all in on the managed marketplace and raising a round of funding to support that. What was your first round? The first round we did was uh, led by Access Ventures here mm-hmm. in Colorado. Cool, yeah. Um, and it was $750,000. Ah, and seed funding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And what
1: did $750,000 let you do?
0: Get a warehouse, ah, hire folks, yeah. and build the technology that we needed to wow. build. Mm-hmm.
1: And then you got another round of funding last summer for... 14 million. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So, and we had one in between there, but, you know, ah. raised a, a few different rounds with some really um, great investor partners and one strategic partner um, in particular that really helped us with. What was our, the next milestone of, of growth um, that we discovered? And-
1: well, I'm, I want to talk about milestones some more in a minute. First, I'm going to thank our sponsors. You're listening to Proco 360, named Best Colorado Business Podcast the last three years. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is the podcast for people who love Colorado and the stories of Colorado businesses and entrepreneurs. My guest is Kristen Langenfeld, founder and CEO of Goodbye Gear. Thanks to our sponsors, Kinsley Meetings, who has been Proco 360's longest running sponsor. The business is growing based on a great reputation for planning and conducting meetings with lots of moving parts. Uh, So if you don't know them, reach out to them via Kinsley Meetings or at the Proco360.com website. Also via technologies, thanks for hosting Proco360 and for all the great help your team gives me around managing the website. Really appreciate that. Colorado Biz Magazine, our partnership is one of building our audiences together. And as you heard earlier, I am glad now to be collaborating with Denver Angels. Again, go to Proco360.com and check out all these great partners. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Then we're going to come back to some other things, perhaps maybe more about funding, Kristen. I don't know. But I want to talk a little bit more about your customers and the, the value, because you've done a really good job explaining like what problem you're solving for them, which is that they want to get rid of all this product, right? Are they Before I move on, I want to ask you, are they wanting to just get rid of it and, and get it to a good home? Or are they interested in the money that they get? Through essentially selling it consigning it to, through you
0: yeah so most of the reason is a convenience but when you spend a thousand dollars on a stroller you want to recoup something from it yeah. so definitely for the high ticket items there is the monetary you know you want something back from what you've spent on on that investment um, but it is the the convenience because you know you could sell your thousand dollar stroller on Facebook yourself and make more than what you'll make with us. Presumably, maybe not, but um and uh But you gotta do all that stuff. You have to do all that work and what's your time worth.
1: So do customers uh if they're selling a stroller and they don't live in Denver, Philadelphia or Washington, how did the how did this get to you? Do you help them ship it to you? So
0: we're only operating oh actually we have New York as well. So we're Ah, Brooklyn and we do all of the uh the three boroughs we do Brooklyn, um Manhattan and uh the Bronx.
1: Great. Um Oh, wait. So you can pick up in any of those four places, but you'll ship anywhere.
0: Correct. Yeah. Ah, yes. got it. Mm-hmm.
1: Got it. And so, boy, physical expansion is huge for you then. Yeah. Because it creates inventory. Mm-hmm. All right. I want to mm-hmm. go there in a minute. But I want to circle mm-hmm. back to what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Which is, you know, you have a mission of reducing waste and, you know, how many millions of car seats end up 12 million mm-hmm. land, And all these other things end up in landfills or wherever they end up. Are your customers though focused on the value that they get from buying essentially discounted product, and then you get the enjoyment of knowing that you're doing something good for the world, or are they? Are your customers really saying we want to do this to protect the earth and so forth? Like, where's the value for them?
0: For the the buyer, yeah. um, it really is on the the value that they're getting. Yeah. Uh, what we've found through you know consumer research is that. The, the reason they come back is they hey, have a good experience with Goodbye Gear um, and they feel really good about their purchase. But it, what the repeat purchase is really based on feeling good about, you know, spoiling your kids responsibly, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is like...
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> spoiling your kids responsibly. Um, so when you are I, – I, I was thinking about this a lot. And I mentioned earlier in, in the intro that Goodbye Gear is more efficient than Facebook Marketplace, more predictable than eBay – uh, you mentioned also less hassle and more cost effective than buying new. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering, like, as we see the various closeout websites and companies put product on sale, and they have closeouts. I mm-hmm. I wonder, like, did, is, does the price difference sort of shrink and squeeze your value proposition?
0: So, one, uh, I'll answer your question, but I'm going to take a step back yeah. and, and talk about like one of the things that is is important when you look at circularity and re-commerce, is the type of products that we're manufacturing, and there's products that are made for cheap, one use, like plastic. You put it together once, you can't take it apart. Versus like a well manufactured that uses real metal material or nice leather, or you know, and it's modular. So how those are constructed are very different, and so. The mass market, you know, poorly manufactured, not made for reuse products, they're discounted. We don't, mm-hmm. There's not a lot of advantage of buying those secondhand. And we actually don't promote buying those new. As one of the, the things that I always talk about is spend money and buy a well-manufactured, better products, better for your child. But it's also you're going to recoup a lot of that cost mm-hmm. back from yeah. it. So yeah. when customers come to Goodbye Buy Gear, they're getting a great discount because those premium items don't go on sale. They're not on close-up. They never go on sale. Like, we're talking Up a Baby and Nuna and Bugaboo and Stoke. I don't know if you know what these brands are, but, like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've been favorite. out of the baby world for a little <laughs> while. But,
1: uh, yeah. So that's a, it's an in- interesting differentiator, yeah. And and for the same amount of money, they could buy something kind of crappy for new. Mm-hmm. Or they could buy something really good quality that you've tested, you know, works. Yeah. And, and yeah. yeah. Interesting. And it's, and it's a yeah.
0: really amazing accessibility that, you know, play that opens up the ability for parents that wouldn't, you know, if you know what Love Every is, but it's a, a subscription box of really amazing toys that are made specifically for each age group. Mm-hmm. But it's hundreds of dollars or hundred plus dollars a month for mm-hmm. this. And like how many families can afford that? Yeah. Um, and so being able to open a, that Experience up for like other families to be able to have the right toys for their child to know how to, you know, so it really provides access to those premium products to a larger subset, not just the 1%, you know, that can have the snoo, which is the $1,800 bassinet or whatever it is that we all should be able to sleep. (laughs) Yes.
1: Well, what about, you know, I I think of your marketplace and, Mm -hmm. you know, and what you're doing. And if you don't go really fast, can't somebody in San Francisco do the same thing? And in wherever Kansas City or mm-hmm. Denver well, you're in Denver, excuse me. But yeah, you know, other yeah. places I mean, and so you see you've got that, you've also mm-hmm. got competitors, you've got there must be ten thousand home based little businesses that are yeah. doing these transactions. How do you think about that?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely competition. I think that still the biggest competition is just is Facebook or, you know, going online and, and doing it yourself, which there's a, there's certain people, I have a good friend who loves to go on Craigslist and sell things, but, like, most people are like, oh, my God, that's the last thing but I want to like do. that's like a hobby for <laughs> her or something. Hobby. It's like yeah. a recreational activity, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but, yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, there are companies, there's definitely competition that's uh, nipping at our, our feet, but we are much, much 10x bigger scale mm. than, than anyone, and so we have the selection. And the the presence that, um, that players that are starting out today don't have, but it, you know one of the things that we are really proud of and that we've spent a lot of years developing maintaining is our we call it the blue book of baby gear. So we have this mm. database of over forty thousand make model variations of every single piece of baby gear. And we've, um, it's where we have all of our pricing data, of course, and historical sales, but it's also the quality checks. So the inspection process. And so we have you know, associates that are trained, but they use our technology that walks them through exactly how to inspect and quality check every single item. So that's so, a
1: differentiator, too. I mean, you have it's to – I it's mean, especially huge. if you're checking something like a car seat, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Can you check a car seat and know it's safe?
0: Yes. So car seats were not something we – Launched with. It's actually something we just launched last year. Mm. We spent years working on this. We worked with um, the manufacturers themselves. We worked with Nitsa um, consultants. We worked with uh, CPSTI. I don't know if all these acronyms mean well, anything. Well, these Sorry, are the safety bit. bureaus, safety yes. agencies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so we worked with insiders, essentially, in car seats to really help us, you know, the recycling of car seats doesn't work. Yeah. I mean it costs yeah, yeah, sixty five dollars yeah. to recycle a car seat and they're just that's not happening. So um the industry knew that they needed a better solution and just telling people to cut the yeah. straps because they've used oh, it yeah. is not so the manufacturers
1: support the ability for you to resell their product meaning that they won't sell a new one? Yes. They do. It just mm. seems like the right thing for them and
0: they know it's happening anyways. And I think this is mm. where it goes back to you know, selling the premium brands mm-hmm. is that they know that their products are like, they don't disintegrate after one yeah, family right. uses them. Yeah. So they know they're getting passed on um, and they'd rather have someone quality check and expect and make sure it's not a recalled version, make sure mm-hmm. that there wasn't a defect in it or, you know, our inspection process yeah. on car seats is 40 checks. Like well, We so are very, have, very thorough. Do you have, in to have that.
1: liability insurance then? Yep. I yep, would think you would because if, mm. you know, you're going to get sued if something happens, right? And a yep. car seat didn't work the way it was supposed to we take safety
0: very seriously on many levels i, I and never so, would have thought of it do you mm-hmm.
1: check safety check like strollers too
0: mm-hmm. absolutely wow So that's part of you know that's the ip that we've developed and in the process and in the technology and so it's very important that that we you know uphold that yeah. standard for the next customer and that's why the brands are working directly with us and that's yeah. you know that's the big part of our business now is that we are working directly with um lots of brands. Well,
1: that's a huge differentiator mm-hmm. from over like Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. If I want to buy one, it looks good, I don't really know mm-hmm. if it's functionally functioning properly and yeah. if it's a safety item, that's a huge yeah. difference. And and so that extra funding, the the 14 million and then something mm-hmm. in between, um, mm-hmm. I suspect that's to get you to dominance as quickly as possible.
0: Yeah, exactly. We're building our fortress around the industry, so all of the partners. Um, and we, I mentioned, uh, you know, a handful of partners we work with. A lot of those, and uh, hopefully, work with all of them uh, by the end of the year. We are talking to mm-hmm. most of them, and so um, it's a it's a need in the market because we haven't talked about it. But a thing that I didn't know. Um, in general, returns are a huge issue. And, you know, I think you've probably seen the waste that uh, happens in this country with returns and... Oh, it's like
1: 14 or 18% or something. I mean, massive, uh, massive amount of returns.
0: And most of them don't get put back into circulation. And so... You know, for lower value items, it's just not worth the transportation cost or to whatever yeah. Yeah. yeah and you know they don't want it comes in, and it's not folded and takes an associate how much time to refold it perfectly and put it in a new bag versus just selling a new one and scrapping that. So it happens a lot, but in baby gear in the, in the kid industry, anything that, that a, a child sits in, eats and sleeps in has um, concerns that you don't want to sell. A recalled version you don 't want to sell a damaged version you don 't want to um, put something back into circulation by mistake that shouldn 't go back into circulation so the the default for most manufacturers and retailers before we came along was to destroy returns from baby gear, which is hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of baby wow. gear that is returned that is destroyed. So it was like a problem we sort of stumbled upon when we were like, how do we get more supply? How do we get more supply? And uh, and so we, we found um, that this was happening and weaseled our way into one partner and then found um, that they were happy, very happy that they turned a cost center into a, a revenue generating and less wasteful yeah. instead of sending all of these things to the incinerator, which is what was happening. And this
1: is the open box concept. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: So I noticed mm-hmm. on your website that there are used products and there are open box products. Yes. Which, mm-hmm. you know, there's open box and there's gently used and used. Like You've mm-hmm. got categories of used, right? Loved. <laughs> yeah, but well loved or something like that. Yeah. yeah. But open mm-hmm. box is basically brand new that mm-hmm. you have inspected to make sure that it hasn't been recalled, that it has whatever the case. Yeah. So what a mm-hmm. great way to get value then without trying to be, you know, just hoping for lucky.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That's <laughs> super
1: cool. Yeah. Um Question about open box, though, that kind of intrigued me. So many mm-hmm. gifts for kids mm-hmm. like, are given, whether it's car seats or strollers. or, the, Do people look at open box and then not want to give open boxes gifts? Like, does it mm-hmm. create an issue? You uh, made a it's face.
0: A great question. Yeah, sorry. We're, um, no, I'm curious. Like, no, because gifting, I will tell you, December is our slowest month because gifting is not totally accepted to give a used yeah. gift today um but it is growing especially with a younger generation um gen z becoming parents and they really are shopping different than any other generation before and they're really embracing secondhand and you know that's it's a different generation coming up but like my parents i remember when i started the company they were like used who Kristen, yeah. we'll buy it for you new like no and <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Huh>. so <clears throat> i think you know every generation's changed and we'll Someday, gifting an open box item um, will be more accepted. But today, you know, people tend to buy new. And what we see is that they ask for gift cards on their registry from Goodbye Gear. And then then they can buy what they need Uh, after. So, like, a lot of times you, you get a carrier and it doesn't work for you. You want to get a different carrier. Or you got a... And a, uh, a jogging stroller, but you need a travel stroller. And mm-hmm. like, and so you want to buy these items that you, you didn't get on your registry, and so you can sort of finish so your registry with us.
1: Yeah, it might be acceptable to give somebody a gift card on Goodbye Gear mm-hmm. where you wouldn't give them an item yeah. from Goodbye Gear.
0: Yeah. Oh, how... I mean, I hope they do, but I mean, generally, they, a gift card is what we recommend on the registry. Also, because we only have like one of most items, so registering for a particular item is hard because sure. they, you know, they sell out wow. quick. <laughs>
1: but that's no, I could. It's so funny because the the um, that negative emotion around giving something used would dissolve instantly with a gift card. Yeah. Yeah. Which is new. How <laughs> yeah. cool is that? All right. Um, just a light bulb mm-hmm. went off in my head. So, But I'm not going to start the business. You're already there. So anyway, um, so you've got more cities coming. Mm-hmm. You just launched New York. That's your fourth city. Yeah. And of course, New York is huge. Mm-hmm. But is this a race? You know, I mean, do you have to open as many cities as fast as you can?
0: I think for us, we're really focused on the partners. Um, and we know working with the brands directly gives us such... Um, an advantage because then we a can quality check these items and and like that the brands come mm-hmm. out to our warehouse and and see what we do, and yeah. they you know provide additional quality checks that we can add into our process and inspection, yeah. so that gives us um you know an ability for expansion with those partners as well with trade in programs um upselling you know when you're done with an item that you buy new you can get a credit with that brand to buy something else so there's a lot of opportunity for us to to do more with those brands have you
1: seen that a lot like have you seen i've got two questions about that one has to do with the brands but the other thing have you seen are you seeing sort of customers significantly in significant numbers buy something from goodbye gear Mm
0: -hmm.
1: trade it in and up you know Kind of, it is kind of like the pros closet model, but are you seeing people upgrade and trade in and update, you know, continually with you?
0: Yeah, yeah, we are. I mean, I think you, there's all different stages, so we see um, the. Infant stage, there's a lot of stuff that people will sell, and then they buy the next phase of items for their child, and then they buy more toys as they get older. Yeah. And so there's there is a life cycle, but there's a lot of stuff.
1: So what happens then? Are you are you um, is your growth all about sourcing more baby products, or do you are you starting to like as you age? Uh, now you're seven as a company. Are you now selling for seven year olds, eight year olds, <laughs> nine year olds? Right.
0: It's uh, it's a great question. So. We are expanding in so car seats was a big category expansion. um, And we are working on a couple other category expansions this year, we're definitely getting pulled in, you know, as our uh, cohorts are aging and their children are as well, even like my daughter, who is eight you know Mm -hmm. she was uh 10 months old when we started the company you know like there's not a lot of stuff on goodbye gear anymore that i i can buy for her um and but yet she's starting lacrosse and so you know we have to buy all the lacrosse gear so you know there's obvious yeah yeah. um but then you start
1: competing with brick and mortar stores like you know they use use sporting chains and Mm -hmm. you know other things and like Mm -hmm. you know they don't have to match they don't have to check lacrosse sticks for safety like there's not a big differentiator there that you can sink your teeth into the way you have now
0: um yeah i mean i think there's mom and pop shops for kids gear consignment as well and there's uh there's costs involved in having a retail space and having someone there. And they do have to be inspected and priced and hung and take up floor space. So there's, um, I think for, for us, you know, going into additional categories is up for debate. And, and, you know, we haven't locked in that we're going to do lacrosse gear. So don't take that as like something we're going to do. Um, but the, the thing that is the hardest in any e-commerce business is acquiring customers. Um, And getting those eyeballs to your site and by having a very engaged, sticky customer that's been with us for years, that's bought and remembers us every time they go to look for something for their child, that that that's sort of the advantage that we have as as an existing customer base.
1: Yeah, well, with the existing customer base, what percentage of your new customers Mm -hmm. did you find through marketing versus referral, word of mouth and so forth?
0: Well, it's been an incredible journey. I mean, I think it's definitely we've learned a lot, and early on, it was mostly paid, and we were trying all different channels, and we've really got smart about how we acquire customers. and what we've learned is we have the right inventory that parents are looking for, that we have very low acquisition costs. So we're spending very little today acquiring new customers and most of the um it's actually sixty. Four percent organic and direct and, mm. and the rest is um, paid and wow yeah so it's, and then
1: what's your return what's your repeat <coughs> buying percentage
0: um so we look at it a few different ways i mean yeah. on a monthly basis um it's about 40 percent of our sales come from repeat customers wow mm-hmm.
1: that's pretty extraordinary isn't it
0: i don't know what to compare it to yeah, but yeah uh, it's yeah. great i mean customers we always we hear from our customers i you know i look at goodbye. i look um for the item on Goodbye gear first And we have more people signing up for items we don't have in stock than are buying on a daily basis. So this is where supply Uh, constraint comes from and for us continuing to source more and more products from brands. And um,
1: So is that the future really is open box for a constant supply versus, you know, the ones and twos of things, random things that you pick up as people bring them to your facility?
0: No, I mean, the long tail, it's, that's the massive TAM, the uh, total addressable market of what parents have and what, we all have sitting in our basements and garages right yeah, i mean yeah. that the the open box market is massive in and of itself and that is ours to go and get and we we're focused on locking that up if you mm-hmm. will right now but no abs- like we want to the change we want to make in the world is that parents are not thinking about buying all this stuff new that we we have a marketplace where we have the yeah. best gear that is quality checked and made for resale that we can sell over and over again and that those those parents um are not hoarding this for yeah, their yeah, grandchild yeah. children yeah. that it's going to be all recalled well, now, you know that's, an, just, yeah.
1: that's such an interesting point right now people hoard it because they really don't have a cost-effective way to yeah. re reacquire it in yeah. the future <laughs> and to your point it might be recalled anyway by the time you're like all those cribs people saved right
0: the drops, i Oh my you know?
1: <laughs> god! So, all right, last cu- last mm. couple questions. Mm. Uh, we're about out of time. So, as you were as you were building your business, mm-hmm. you know, what did I? Lo- I love to explore this with folks who were mm-hmm. building, especially a tech company, but anything. Mm-hmm. Like, what did you learn the hard way that you wish had been way easier? And you look back and like, wow, we could have done that so much easier without the pain. Well,
0: oh, there's so many, but I I think the hardest lessons over the course of the last seven years have really been around hiring the right people. You know, it's getting the right folks around the table um is is hard and it's hard to know what you're looking for and you you know have someone that's done it before and, you know, they have all of the pedigree and, and worked all these places and but um but if it's not the right culture fit and I know everyone talking about but you know, yeah. like if it's not the right fit then it's really hard to um, to make it work, so. You think you've
1: learned your lesson,
0: um, or learned
1: that lesson? I've
0: learned that lesson a few times, so hopefully <laughs> I have no. No, I mean I am just. I am so proud of the team we have right now, and it is it is unbelievable to see how the team works together and and the amount of stuff we're able to get done with a pretty lean, very small yeah. team. And so just seeing the power of having the right culture and having the right people around the table is magical when you get it. But when you get the wrong person and especially in, especially in a leadership role, it really um, can ruin a company. Yeah. And so luckily yeah. we've been able to make those, you know, fire quickly decisions um, that it hasn't. But I, I definitely... I think that's always been that's always been yeah. the hardest lesson and challenging. So
1: It is. I had a rich uncle who said I, I made a mistake. I worked for him. And mm-hmm. I said, oh, I learned my lesson. He goes, no, you haven't learned your lesson until you do it right. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, good point. I remind myself of that. So last mm-hmm. question for you. I mean, when you think about what makes all this hard work, it's been a tough journey. I know it's a tough slog to build mm-hmm. a company. Mm-hmm. What story comes to mind that you think best illustrates like, that this is actually fulfilling?
0: Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I was thinking about this and I think it was when I heard my daughter explain what um, Goodbye Gear does and, and how she wants to be the CEO of Goodbye Gear one day and I, it made me cry and so stuff like that. I just see how she sees me and so that's that's special.
1: That's mm-hmm. cool. And I think mm-hmm. it's a great note to end on. So let's wrap <laughs> up. I'm your host Dave Taver and today on ProCo 360 you've been listening to my conversation with Kristen Langenfeld, founder and CEO of Goodbye Gear. What a fun conversation! I didn't yeah, I realize. So. I, I I remain fascinated at the relationships that you've built with the actual manufacturers, mm-hmm. and uh, what a what a great market opportunity for you to take and to mm-hmm. Super cool.
0: Thanks for having me. This is
1: really fun. Good. Listeners, glad you're here on ProCo 360, where we say Live, Work, Love, Colorado, because you and I and my guests could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the ProCo 360 podcast. And if you haven't yet, it's a huge help if you submit, review in your app. Thanks again to our show sponsors via Technologies, Kinsley Meetings, Colorado Biz Magazine, and Denver Angels. That's the show. Live, Work, Love, Colorado.